We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Back for another week. Plenty of combat sports to talk about. The UFC wrapped up their week of fights. Three in one week. We touched on a pay-per-view last episode. So now we'll touch on the latest two fights. Also, we have to talk about the madness around Mike Tyson. It was you know, kind of building last week. Now it's getting to that fever pitch point where it looks like we're going to see Iron Mike back in the ring at some capacity. And then, of course, we have to talk about the latest IG Live battle between Nelly and Ludacris that the old man was tweeting throughout. And I'm sure he's going to share all of his thoughts about that battle. But first, Dre, this is my last show recording-wise as a 31-year-old. By the time this is out, I'll be 32 years old. And this makes me realize I've had 32 years of dope hot takes. <laughs> is that what it made you realize? Yes, 32 years of hot takes from me being 12 years old and thinking Joey Harrington was the future. Wow. Me debating people at 6 years old that I thought... Undoubtedly, Magic Johnson was a greater player than Michael Jordan. Wow. I did. 
I didn't understand the concept of AIDS, but I knew he was cut down way too early. Hmm. And that prime magic is better than prime Jordan. I, I was six, though, so this was before, this was during the hiatus, the baseball hiatus. I had a better case. Yeah. The, the last three hurt me. But that was my that was probably my first original original hot take, all the way to to Pimp a Butterfly, and, and you know the the creme de la creme that Mayweather will actually fight Conor McGregor, and, and throughout the rest that we've talked about, uh, shout out to Stevie Wonder. I listened to a lot of Stevie Wonder this weekend. Did you learn the lesson? <laughs> no, it was a uh, it was uh, like a. Stevie Wonder theme on Views from the Seven. Shout out to them. Yes, it was and his oh, it's his birthday. Okay, that makes sense. So they had like a Stevie Wonder theme to open their show and their old school music and stuff with Stevie this week. And I was just jamming out to Stevie. Me and the wife jamming out like, damn, this catalog is just crispy. But don't say anything stupid. I enjoyed it enough just listening to it. I'm not sure if I had to see him perform. So I'm, I'm not going all in on that hot take anymore. I love the catalog. And it reminded me how much heat he has. Because yeah. it's not like we listen to Stevie every day. So I, I've never argued that, but I'll give you that much. If you say it's better in person, I got to find out. Maybe maybe I'm just missing something. Maybe I'll, I'll go and watch him and be like, fuck, Dre was right. I'll never tell you. <laughs> but, but maybe I'll just feel this internally. So, you know, I'm getting wiser in my 32 years. When we started this show, I was 26. So it's it's been uh, a lot of maturing. Less hot takes, I think. You know, they, they're a little less frequent, a little more golden. I'm narrowing them down now. Uh, man, my, my Nelly is really dope. Hot, you know, mild spicy take from a couple weeks ago isn't aging well. Not at all. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah, man, I, I found my first gray hairs in the beard. So I'm, I'm going to be joining you and AJ Springer shortly with the with the salt and pepper beard and Big Mac. Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, man, I got the bald head. I feel like, uh, you know, old ages chill is creeping upon my neck. I, I feel like it's going to be... Old man Kel and the old man Andreas here in a couple of years, so it's 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 rough, man. It's rough. People are, you know, saying Ludacris and Nelly are old school. That's where we're at, man. It's 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 breaking my heart. This week, also, I had to do a sex ed course with my daughter, with my oldest daughter, who's a teenager, but about to be fifteen. So now, because of the Rona, them being schooled at home. Uh, we had to sit down and do a seven-day course. It's an abstinence course where she goes to school in Missouri. And I was like, you got to be shitting me. So I had to supplement the abstinence course with real sex ed. So I'm just letting you know, be prepared. 13 years from now, it's no time soon. But no, not even 12 years from now, you will be in the same boat, I'm assuming. So we had to do the whole thing, the how to put a condom on a banana. Jesus. Yeah, you know, all the venereal diseases and pregnancy, abortion. We had to go through all of it. It was a very thorough uh, sex ed course. And they have a lot of good stuff on YouTube, by the way. 
So we went through it, and I was sitting there, and I was like, yo, my, my biggest thing at the end of it, they asked parents, yo, what's your takeaway, your last takeaway of this? I was like, I had you at the age, I conceived you at the age you are about to be next year. The shit stops now. And she had to type that up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't care. I was like, you can put little stars, you can put whatever you want. But you got to write this word for word. The shit stops now. So, uh, no teen pregnancy. We're ending the cycle. Uh, it stops at me. We are three generations deep in my family of teen pregnancy. It stops now. So I had to have that very awkward conversation. And, uh, yeah, that, that shit is wild. I don't... Did your... It's weird. I can't say did your grandma. Did anyone have the birds and the bees convo with you? No. I hope it was your dad. No. I feel like he got a lot to lend on the subject. Mm-mm. No, but I never had that conversation. You know what taught me that shit? Not the, the homies. Don't say no. the homies. No, no, no Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> That's the worst place. The the birds and the bees conversation. I, honestly, I don't even know if it came from this. Um, It's going to sound weird, but I watched a lot of porn um, as a kid. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people did. I had the yeah. black box with spice. Well, no, I mean, you know, my dad didn't teach me shit, but he had the uh, those gigantic double-sized VHS tapes, and I came across them in his closet one day, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and I popped that shit in, and I was like, whoa! And, and then, like, it taught me all the wrong things that about sex. So I think you told that story on this podcast once, when people would just come over for kickbacks at your crib, and porn randomly be playing. Yeah, yeah, we were, yeah. You're wild. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. couldn't do I that, mean, I, can't do that these days. No, hopefully no one's doing that. That's why my, my daughter doesn't go anywhere. They're just randomly going to a friend's house and there's porn playing. Like, no, no thank you. Yeah, can't do uh, You know, I let her watch anything on Netflix. That's where I draw the line. Like, yo, anything on Netflix, Hulu, you watch all that shit. Like, you'll, it's in the world, you'll know it exists. Come talk to me if you have questions. But, yeah, nah, it's... It's wild because I remember, yeah, I, I mean, my son's 10. So I remember at least by 12, I was watching shit on the illegal cable box, Spice and all that. But then not nah, like I hit 13 and uh, it's not on a rundown because I don't want to talk about wild levels of ignorance. But Boosie said some stupid shit last week, too, on IG Live. Oh, that was ridiculous. Um, but I do remember like at 13, my dad, like... We were in the Bronx. I remember it like it was yesterday. Allerton Avenue, they have this diner right under the train. We get off the train, we're at this diner. And I asked the, one of the dumbest questions of my life. I look at my dad. So I'm 12, 13, I'm 13. That would make my dad 33. I look at my dad and I'm like, yo, what is that on your tongue? And he's like, what? It's like, what is that? He's like, I got my tongue pierced. And that started a 20-minute long conversation on the purpose of him getting his tongue pierced. Hmm. And our relationship never went back from there. So if you guys wonder why he talks to me about chops, why he uh, tells me about all his excursions with 20-some-odd-year-olds and uh, shares way too many details, it's because as a 13-year-old, I was an idiot and asked him why he just got his tongue pierced. In which he was just like, fuck it. I guess if I told him this, the gloves are off. What did he say? So, yeah, my sex education came from my father being wildly open. In which he never told me anything, like, 
Yo, son, you do this, you do that. No, it was all uh, first-hand accounts. So it was, what did he it say about bad. his tongue piercing? What do you think he said about his tongue? He told me <laughs> he got a tongue. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was self-explanatory. But he told me that he got a tongue piercing because at the time he was dating some, like, Islander Jamaican chick, they were going to, like, Barbados or something on vacation, and... They were spending like a week together down there. This is going to sound fucking nuts to tell a 13-year-old this, but I guess I'm his son. But he told me that the chick had an extra sensitive clit. And one, I didn't know what the fuck that was outside of like watching South Park and like stupid episodes. So I didn't understand the functionality, I guess. But... He told I learned I'm gonna learn today. So he told me, and hers happened to be bigger. So the reason he got it is so he could constantly go down on her and stimulate her more. Because at this point I didn't know the dynamics of it. It led to her I guess what now my older brain is. I don't remember what he said, but it it's squirting now, but I didn't know what the fuck it was then. He called it something else. Who knows what the term was? In New York in fucking 99 or whatever it was 2002 I don't know um but he used like some wild term and I was just like what and then he explained to me which I still remember this day I think I told my wife the other day and he was like yeah it's towards the front of the tongue because that's how you use it on women he was like nah nah you can't do that shit you get it to the middle of your tongue that's that's for women women get it in the middle of their tongue because I, I think I might have said shit that's not PC now but I, I, I thought only women got tongue rings you know, for to give head or whatever. So I, I said like a joke to him about it. He was like, nah, fuck that. Women get in the middle of the tongue, uh, blah, blah, blah. He's like, man, get on the tip of their tongue so you can flick it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yo. And this was our conversation with me at 13. And we never went backwards. Hmm. So, so this, this, that was, I don't know, the birds or the bees? I don't, that's fucking like, it's different. That's a pterodactyl. And a murder hornet. Yeah. It's so much bigger than the birds and the bees. I, I skipped over all the intricacies. I just went from zero to a hundred. So, and my pops is, is a little wild and different. So, yeah. that's that was kind of my okay. crash course. But I, I gave my daughter like a proper education in sex ed. And they got these good videos on YouTube. It's like a British series. Uh, if people have kids, obviously, if you're listening to this, you're my age and you have to do this. It's called uh, Sex Education. Um, it's in Britain. Just type it in. Uh, the host is really good. They go into schools in the series, so just play the parts that has the classes and all this stuff. It's a great educational piece, so we did that, and it was a smart way to go about sex ed. But yeah, nah, that shit was wild, and I was like, at least, I told him, I was like, at least you won't be the stupid girl that does something out of curiosity. I was like, yeah. you, you now shouldn't be curious about anything. If you do something, you make a, a concise decision. So, but she didn't seem to want to do anything. Like, pictures of general herpes and shit would just skew you. At least for like a year or two. At least? So. Yeah. At least. These are some fucking crazy pictures. And I, uh, the last one was like childbirth. So you see like a picture of crowning. As a girl, I'm assuming that shit scares you at least for two or three years. I would hope so. Yeah, so that was, that was me uh, 
That's how I spent my last week of being 31 years old. It's going over sex ed with my daughter, and I realized, yeah, I'm old. When you do that, it's like it's a whole different level of being old. And Indeed, yeah, yeah, I'm not every, every, Everyone else has young kids still. Like you, shout out to Marcus Vandenberg for the podcast. You know, it's like everyone has young kids or going to have kids, and they're still kind of like starting their family. All my kids are old now, so it's funny that I experience all that. You know, a decade before you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. I told you. I always shit said it. You're the uh, the oldest young man I know. <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. This this week proved it. But uh, I got the claw in hand. So Dre, cheers. It's uh, 32. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you feel like that's young. Yeah, we'll give you shit tomorrow on your actual birthday. We'll give you shit, but <laughs> you get a pass. But yeah, nah. So that that shit was wild. Let's dive in to what we witnessed yesterday, which is the IG live battle between Nelly and Ludacris. So we <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit on last show, right? And mm. we it was like we spent very little time on it. And we were both under the impression that, yeah, Luda was going to wash Nelly. I thought it's because Luda's catalog is so much, like, just just so evolved and people sleeping on Luda. But then Nelly started playing shit. And his song selection was bad, too, though. But he started playing stuff, and I was just like, this isn't as dope as it was to me then. Mm-mm. And I think shit. that's the problem. The shit doesn't age well, man. The shit yeah, just has a lot's dependent on videos too. A lot of yes. his shit was dependent on videos. Yo, okay. So he plays tip drill. And I immediately had to say, like, come on guys, nobody's ever listened to this song without the aid of the video. You need the visual aid. Because yeah. the song by itself is ass cheeks. Always has been Unless you're at a house party, like you threw that shit on, try to get stuff wild. Yeah, but you're only doing that because of the video. There is nothing about that <laughs> song that you're like, yo. This song is popping. It never was. Never was. Ever. Just was the video. So he played that. I already knew it was over. That dog. I mean, yeah. We knew this battle. Some was people gave it to Nelly. I dropped in our group chat yesterday. Yeah, those people are stupid. Listen, this is why I don't trust. And you know what we didn't put on the rundown? Our little uh, debate that we had that ended up on Twitter about the classes. We can actually talk about that here since we're, we're not going to talk about any pro wrestling today. Uh, your Kanye Kendrick thing that you brought up. Yeah, we could talk about that. But uh, <laughs> this, I, I think I won that. But yeah, you did not. But anyway, the uh, oh my god, Nelly's catalog is trash. Like, you, I mean, it's, it's dog, it's bad. It's almost indefensible how bad this shit is, because it's not like, like, listen, depending on your age group, when you listen to Nelly, is how you probably took that shit in. For the most part, because of how we consume music's changed, a lot of things that we listened to 10 years ago, we probably didn't have as much time to revisit unless we were really in love with that album. So I feel like for a lot of people, people are like, yo, Nelly was hot. What are you talking about? And then you play it like 10 years after the last time you've listened to Nelly's catalog, you're like, holy shit, I like this? It's like embarrassing. That shit is garbage. His, man, I don't even know how people like Nelly. I know, I get country grammar. I get it. I hated the song. But I got it. Like, I was like, all right, cool. Nursery rhyme rap and some hood shit. Cool. And then, like, EI, okay. Hot in here, maybe. But then that, the catalog is really thin and super pop, and it just doesn't age well. And in a battle where Ludacris was just banging him over the head with shit that people had forgot about, like the Made You Look remix, 
It just wasn't fair. Yeah, so Luda, I'll give you the egregious ones on this list. So this person has pimp juice over my chick bad. No way. I don't like pimp juice. A lot of people gave him that one. Yeah, which is, I mean. No. You know what? I can't uh, even be the expert on this because I hate all things Nelly. So I'm sorry. <laughs> there was a Poppin versus Tip Drill, which I understand Tip Drill maybe is a better song than Poppin. Debatable. But even then, the audio quality was so shitty. It's a battle, people. If we want song for song, let's just go to Apple. Dude. The battle, the stories told, the back and forth, everything. If Nelly would have played it, you know, acoustically, I don't know, they don't do this. But like in other battles, we see Babyface break out, like, you know, the piano. That all goes into if you won that round. In the same regard, if you play Tip Drill and that shit is on sound number three out of ten and it sounds horrible, you lost that round. Because your sound wasn't right. Somehow his Wi-Fi wasn't right, which no one ever told him about an Ethernet cable. He's like, yo, it's storming outside. Plug directly in. So that, to me, took an L on that one. Someone showed Ride With Me over Saturday. Um, Country Graham over What's Your Fantasy, all right? Like, My Place over Splash Waterfalls? No. Splash Waterfalls, that beat is crazy. This person chose Rock the Mic remix over Made You Look remix. Which is bananas. Made You Look remix is probably the best Ludacris verse ever. I don't know about that. He's got it's a lot of good It's definitely ones. the most surprising. I don't even know You look surprising. at that, and I was like, Nas, Jada, Luda's on this. And then he starts spinning. I was like, oh, he caught a body. I mean, I've said this, I said this last week. The only problem that Luda's ever had is he's never talking about anything. It's never any substance to what he's talking about. But it's like, if it come, if you, if he was to kick these bars on the corner and you were walking past the battle, you'd be like, oh shit, he's got bars. But when it comes to songs and all that stuff, even like now, it's like, it's almost like actually, it wouldn't have been a fair fight because Buster would have won. But he's very much like Buster Rhymes. Yeah. Like in terms of like. Look, animated. Like, yeah, very not animated. Not anything really. Punchline centric, flow centric. Mm-hmm. Never really talks about a whole lot of th- stuff. There's like you never heard a Buster Rhymes song where you're like, man, that's an amazing story. Or <laughs> like it just doesn't happen, right? But Buster's always been dope. He's very colorful. That's what Ludacris is. Very colorful. So that stuff he never surprised me. That's why when they said this was a battle between him and Nelly, I was like, yo, there's like two completely different audiences. The hip hop has actually respect Ludacris. Like, the most cutthroat hip-hop head, which I probably am one of them, like, we listen to Ludacris, we'd be like, yo, it's got bars. Nelly, yeah. don't even, no, don't even bring that shit near me. <laughs> uh, Nelly played some tracks people had never heard of before. Which is another L. Like, what are you doing? If you're yeah, and he was deep, rocking hard to that shit. Yo, he looked like my man Brayson, uh, Teddy Riley's boy. That's what he looked like. <laughs> He looked like he had no clue he was getting washed in this battle. He was like, "Yo, we can, we can play another few songs." No, you can't, Nelly. Cut it out. Yeah, shout out to Luda breaking out the the day no remix. Yeah, Shawty Low. Low. I yeah. still play that shit like every couple of months. That song is tough. And it, man, the catalog like it's, the catalog's just too deep. He didn't even play everything. No, it wasn't a fair fight. Like he didn't play nah. like Fat Rabbit. Like he didn't play. So much shit that he just didn't play. And I'm just like, this... Blueberry Yum Yum beat was crazy. 
it, dog, it, just, it wasn't fair. This, and again, this is a battle I didn't need to see happen. But I was thoroughly entertained at how bad Nelly was. Because it was like, yo, it felt like he, like, he had to get the AOL dial-up fucking CD to, to play along. Like, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, this is a battle. Yeah. And, and Ludacris, and I feel like because of Ali and what Ali said the past few days, I finally actually watched that video of Ali saying that Ludacris stole everything that Nelly did. I feel like Luda went into this battle, being that he was a radio personality from Atlanta and understanding how sequencing works and what to play and just off the cuff, he knows what to go with. He had a counter for everything that Nelly played. He treated that shit like the friendliest ass whooping I've ever seen. Because he was like, he'd be like, yeah, Nelly, that's a good one. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then he played like, stand up. And I was like, oh, this, like, this isn't even fair. He's just washing him. He, he's just demoralizing Nelly. That shit was terrible. Yeah, it was. <laughs> At one point, he, get, he was like, shout out to Ali. He gave him love. Yeah, because you like, were... Oh, that's a little backhanded, I think. Because he's an idiot. Like, come on, man. Ali, you fucking dork. Like, what are you talking about? That, that Luda uh, stole everything from Nelly. That didn't happen. I don't even know how he came up with that idea that that actually happened. It's the dumbest yeah. shit he said. <laughs> then you look at... The, the biggest thing that jumped out to me is Ludacris' production is so much better than Nelly's. And, and most people from that era. He has so many Pharrell joints, so many Timbo beats. Uh, the Jazzy Faye joints, he was on his features. Like, there was a point, the DJ Khaled joints he played, where he was on every other remix for like six years. Yes. Nelly got tight at one point. It was like, yo, I'm just playing stuff for me. I'm not playing anyone else's joints. Because you aren't, you aren't, you're not on anyone else's joints. And if you are, that's the other thing I forgot about Nelly, is on a lot of the St. Lunatics tracks and other tracks that I do like, he got washed. Often. Grills, Gip washed everybody. Yeah. But Nelly might have had the worst verse on Grills. Dude, nobody's ever called Nelly for a feature thinking they had bars. They called Nelly because he had name credibility and so they could wash him. That was what it was. That was the guy who was like, oh, <laughs> him? He's a guy that, that he thought he was nice on the basketball court because all the girls liked him and you just wanted to cross him the fuck up. That's who Nelly is. The girls like Nelly. Cool, I'm just going to cross. I'm going to embarrass him. Yeah, I think Puff washed him on Shake Your Tail Feather. Yeah, like Puff has no business washing anybody. Nah, but I think he did. But he did. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, but he did. It shouldn't have happened, but he did. It's not fair, man. That that battle was bad. There was That's nothing it. good about that battle. Pe that was a People terrible were wondering. Battle. People were like, why didn't he play batter up? What? Because he can't play Murphy Lee's verse. What do you want him to play? People, I don't know. So, yeah, that it brought some perspective to that. Uh, shout out to Big Mac, who was riding tough on social media for Nelly. Yeah. Until like Total. three songs went by. <laughs> then he was like, I think I chose poorly. Yeah, come on, man. Like, again, it's one of them situations where you think because you were, like you grew up at a certain time and you were like, these songs were hot. Certain shit don't age well. And certain things you have to realize that because you liked them when you were, like, younger or something like, stuff, something like that, it has a sentimental value to you. As you get older, it's still whack, but it still has a sentimental value to you. But you don't push that sentimental value onto other people as this is dope. Because yeah. there's, like, a lot of movies that I've watched that are utter trash that I saw as a kid. Like, they're, like, because I used to watch horror movies all the time. There are some really bad horror movies with some awful, awful acting. I like them because they're fucking corny. But I would never go, yo, this is a classic right here. 
knowing good and damn well that the only reason I watch that shit is because they have <laughs> sentimental value to me. Like, terrible special effects. Like, you can't show that to a new audience. Like, movies, especially, like, like movies that had, like, CGI in the 80s, that didn't have CGI but had special effects in the 80s, and it's, like, terrible. And you show yeah. that to somebody, like, 2020 after they just saw fucking Endgame, they're like, yeah. nah. Did you see... Is this kind of I, tried to, I watched RoboCop recently. Oof. By the way, that's one of them. And uh, Swamp Thing Oof. used to be my shit. Toxic I, Avenger was my shit. Yeah. Yeah, I won't, I won't. That's not. I'm not proud it's of It's hard that. to go back on those. <laughs> yeah, it's like, for, for instance, it's like a sidebar. Did you see the commercial? There's a Jordan commercial with his grandmother or with his mother dunking the basketball. And they have a stunt yeah. double. And it's like it's a like straight dude with a fucking beard dunking the basketball, but he plays Dolores Jordan. The stunt double? It's ridiculous. Yep. That's that's what these things look like. So when Nelly's playing like these joints from fifteen years ago and like this new audience is hearing and the production has to age well, the rhymes are still terrible. And then Ludacris plays something that's a little bit more recent and it still slaps. It's like, come on, man. You can't defend this shit. Luda Luda is I don't even want to call him underrated because he's not. He's rated properly. Because he can rap better than most and being on the radio. He just never said anything. And up against Nelly just wasn't fair. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline has ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling After the Dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. So here's my question: Who would have been a fair battle for Ludacris? Oh, I thought you were gonna say for Nelly. Mm, no, so fuck. say oh fuck. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> um, for Luda, I think Luda and Busta could have went because they're both animated. Yeah, um, Busta would have ate him up though. Yeah, but it, it would have been good. It would have. I don't know. Luda got some joint. Yeah, but Busta, Busta would have put up a, a nice, nice run at him. Um, it's. It's tough because a lot of people don't have the the depth of it. Like, where are we supposed to go? Like, other down south artists? You want to go Luna and Ti? Hmm. I, I think I think that would have been the next best holdup. That's actually an interesting one because all right, because we're, we're gonna get into this Kendrick and Kanye thing in a second. So, uh, Justin Timsley from the, the Undefeated, uh, po- somebody posted something that that the DMX might have had one of the best three album runs of all time. Right? Yep, I saw that. And when I read that, I was like, the fuck out of here. DMX, no. Like, DMX are two. Not consecutive three. albums, right? Yeah. That was the thing. Consecutive. consecutive. Albums. Yep. Um, so, he, Justin brought up T.I. as having this great album run. And I didn't, I didn't feel like saying no. But it's no. He, no, he did. No, no. He had good albums. Urban Legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it like, what was King after that? Oh no, that blows it out then. I'm just, I'm just saying it wasn't consecutive. 
But T.I. has had this really interesting career to me where I feel like it's been blown oh, trap up. Trap music, urban legend, and then what was after that? King. Yeah. Yeah, no. King doesn't hold up to the other two. No, but the thing about T.I., because remember, T.I. and Luda have beef as well. Stomp remix. Um, yeah. The thing about T.I.'s catalog is we've held, we've held it up high over the years. But it's not really that good. Like, it's good. Oh, I don't know. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. But people talk about it like it's untouchable. Whereas Ludacris, people forgot how much shit he did. So I think that battle becomes really interesting in that level. Because T.I., a lot of the songs we know. Like, he plays Rubber Band, man. Yo, that's my shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying T.I. has a bad catalog. I'm saying that T.I. has a catalog. It's not one of those catalogs that can't be fucked with. And Luda can't fuck with it. Yeah, I like the dynamic of, like, the original Atlanta trap sound versus what Luda did was, it's not pop, but it's mainstream hip-hop out of Atlanta at the same time. So you're juxtaposing the two sounds that were at the top of Atlanta at the exact same time. And T.I. would have to play more hood shit versus Luda's number one record in the country style songs, you know? So it would have it would have made for some some dope shit. Yeah, I mean the fact that I was just when I was waiting for the battle to start because as the UFC was on, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna tune into this battle because I said I wasn't gonna watch it at first, but I was like, I, for shits and giggles, I am. Luda was just playing dope shit in his throwaways early. Yeah, I was just like, this damn man, he's got a lot of shit. So a Luda Ti battle because somebody said fabulous and I was like, mm, nah, nah, nah. Fat Fab and Jada can go. I think Jada would watch Fab. If Jada can't use lock shit, yeah, but he's, go he's definitely gonna use lock shit. So he's gonna <laughs> watch him. He's gonna <laughs> watch him because the thing about the reason why Jada could use lock shit because Jada oftentimes had the best verse on lock shit. Yeah. So I mean, he could. Yeah. Yeah, him and Styles. I mean, there's so much shit he has there. Rough Riders. That's what I'm saying. Volume one, two, and three. There's a lot of shit in his catalog. But him and Fab could go back and forth. Um, yeah, there's. I think, yeah, I think T.I. would be the best comparison there. Nelly, no, there's... I don't know who to pair Nelly with, especially after this. Like, he started playing country tracks. <laughs> like, like, no, fam, like, you lost then. Like, you uh, you lost me, you lost the battle, I'm out of here. That was the worst phase of Nelly. At least he only played one country track. But he had way too much. If he would have played Tim McGraw, fam, at least he, he knew better than that. Um, the thing that surprised me, like... People are now looking forward. Um, people are saying like Missy versus Buster Rhymes, which isn't bad, but a lot of their stuff are like if you want to compare those two, it's because of visuals, right? Videos. Yeah. So the components of how these battles have been going, I don't see them pulling off a video battle. So let's let's not do that unless it's pre-recorded and then you're just showing it on someone's IG live. And it's also um, not fair because Missy has like a whole lot of dope R&B shit in their catalog. They're not, they're really not the same artists. No, it's it's so so different. They can only be visuals if you did that. Um, so that's that's not fair. But Missy's leaps and bounds better than almost any. I, I would probably say any female hip hop artist. So can't pair against those either. So Missy just got to sit this whole shit out. She, I mean, she put herself in a different bracket. Yeah, the, I mean, so we are the, not breaking Lauren Hill out of this shit. No, because she's there's she not enough there. Up. She's not showing okay. up, and there's just not <laughs> enough there, right? Because right. it's like she she plays Miss Education, she plays a, a couple of joints off the Fugees, I guess spot maybe, 
And then what, the Unplugged album? I'm good. Um, in terms of women, I would like to see, like, Kim, Foxy, and Eve. I love, I'd love to see those three. Yeah, in, like, Kim a, and Foxy, I think it's perfect. Eve, dude, Eve. I think... No, the, Eve, I, I want to see her... It's weird. <sighs> Trina was... Trina was kind of taken aback that people would compare a catalog to Kaya and they want to see that battle Eve Trina I think would be a little bit more Trina's level even though she gets washed by Eve she would get what like listen man Eve's cat I mean Trina's catalog is not that deep it ain't Kaya (laughs) I mean yeah which is true but I'm saying like Eve the thing about Eve is the first album was excellent right oh yeah and, you know, she was still the pit bull in the skirt. And then she kind of transitioned to this, like, fashionista and shit. Went and married a French dude. Got fucking rich. Did the joint blow your mind. Like, it was over after that. Like, her and Gwen Stefani were, like, on the same level in terms of pop culture. But Lil' Kim kind of did the same thing. So I think it's kind of interesting because, like, Foxy, the problem with Foxy was it the catalog wasn't as deep. Kim, a lot of people forgot what Kim was doing. Yeah, you give me 10 and 10, though, I think Foxy can hang. 20's deep for Foxy. I don't know, man. Crush on you, like, Junior Mafia shit, Quiet Storm remix, mm, it gets really rough in there. Yeah, but Foxy had uh, Touch Me, Tease Me with Case. That shit was crazy. What's fucking with the Quiet Storm remix? I'm not saying she wins. I'm just saying. Uh, she She got, what, two joints with Jay? Yeah, she could play. She got, you know, nigga, Foxy yeah. does. She got listen, listen. Um, she got some shit in ten songs. She might be alright. Yeah, Foxy, you got start joints. going to fifteen. I, I'm just very like people keep talking about Missy, and I'm like, man, y'all forgot about Kim. Like, and to be, I'll, I'll be straight up, like Labella, Kim, Nikki. I would like to see. I think Kim will watch Nikki. Someone on my timeline said no, no female artist today touches Nikki in a battle. Get the fuck out of here! Was, um, but I didn't feel like arguing with them. Yeah. I don't even know the chick, but the chick just popped up in my mentions, and I felt like it was a trap from the Barb's. Nah. So I was like, "Yo, I'm just gonna let this sit there." But I was like, "Get the fuck out!" I honestly, I put Cardi against Nikki, and I think in a limited two-year run, if you include Cardi's mixtapes, the shit she did with Offset, the Bad Bunny shit. I think Cardi gives Nikki a run for her money. Yeah, Nikki beats Cardi. Like she's got a deeper catalog. But it's it's just the interesting thing is like, cause Nikki can rap. That's always like the the deal breaker for a lot of people. Like Nikki, when she like the monster remix, Nikki yeah. could rap. It's Beam just she up, makes, Scotty Nikki. Yeah, like, she had some shit. But it's the thing about Fox. I mean Kim. Like listen, I'll be straight. Like I like Bella Mafia. I was out. I'm straight. I did not like that. Album. And but I recognize like Kim just had joints like everywhere she went. Everywhere she, yep. she just had joints, money, power, respect. Like she just, it was she was everywhere, and people have totally discredited Little Kim as like as one of the the biggest rap female rap stars. Period. Because she was. Did Kim have Welcome to Jam Rock? Did she? I don't she know, there had was a, like some wild shit when the whole like shit was going down with the source. Shit. When the whole shit was going down with the source and like Dave Mays, I like checked out on Kim completely. Like I think they gave Labella Mafia five mics, and I was like fuck out of here oh it's not welcome to jam rock it's some other shit i don't even i can't even think yeah she was on the remix of that but she had oh she had put your lighters up oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay just i could see like her having giving a lot of people problems men included 
I think. Oh yeah, yeah. From that era, definitely. Like, I, per, um, me personally, I want to see a producer battle next. I want to see like Alchemist and like Just Blaze, or some shit like that. But Al I can't handle Just Blaze. But I don't, I don't think anybody. That. I don't think a lot of people can handle Just Blaze. But I think the problem with Alchemist is there's a lot of shit that Alchemist will play, and people are like, oh, I didn't know he produced that. Yeah, yeah. That shit's it's just tough. You know what? Scott Storch got some shit. But he already battled, Probably. and he played a bunch of shit that he didn't even produce. He just played yeah. some keys on. Not fair. I don't want that. I, I don't know who going against Just. Like you just you can't put many people up against him. Now, I'm, I'm already. I'm big on Just Blaze. I've always said that. Like people have given um, Kanye all this credit for like Blueprint, and I'm yeah. like, mm, it was Just Blaze. Kanye and Just is a natural battle, so that's like Kanye ain't doing the shit. He's above the shit, so it's like whatever. Um, I can't figure out why people are in this upheaval about the name Justin Timberlake being floated around. Because I get it, right? I do. I really do. I like Justin Timberlake. Always have, always will. Not going to change. I loved NSYNC. I've liked the solo albums except for the country shit. I've liked uh, I like the 2020. I, I just like all the shit. Features, the, anything. The problem is, is once you open the door for somebody like Justin Timberlake... Now versus gets compromised for some people by mainstream white culture. Next thing you know, How, though, because because he he's coming in with Timbo production, yeah, Neptune's no, production. Cool. Like he ain't bringing in sync style no, no, shit. No, no, it's not, is produced by them. It's like, not him. It's what would come with him. Is what I'm saying. Because listen, people are against it. I think I'd love to see Justin Timberlake in a battle because he's just got some joints. He's always has some yeah. joints. I just think it opens the door for other white artists to be like, I want in. And then people are like, oh, fuck. Taylor Swift versus Katy Perry sponsored by fucking Pottery Barn. Like, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to see something that was started by Timberland and Scott Storch get compromised by mainstream white America. Because that's what will happen. The shit will end up on, like, fucking NBC. It'll, it'll, they'll spell verses right. And it'll be, <laughs> it'll be sponsored by, like, Starbucks or some shit. It just won't be the same. And that's what people are afraid of if Justin Timberlake win the battle. But me, personally, I'd like to see it. Like, people always call it Justin Timberlake culture vulture and all these things. I don't really, I think he's respected the culture. And, but so too. people will never forgive him for the Jenny Jackson shit. Yeah, even I'm like, mm, that was kind of fucked up. But people will yeah, never I mean, forgive him. pulled out her titty. It'd be all right. Yeah, they never, but they'll never forgive him. Even when, when he came out with Jay and suit and tie, people were still like, fuck Justin Timberlake. I'm... <laughs> I, I would like to see Insync and the Backstreet Boys. I think Insync bodies them. Yeah, that's a good. Me too. That that's too much heat for Insync. Way too much heat. Even if Justin don't pull out the solo shit, still they body him. But you you get those dynamics. Understand? Maybe that's diluting. Okay, let's not go there. Unless you want the bag. By the way, there's nothing wrong with Tim and Swizz getting the bag. If they get the bag. They, they got to set it up before the white people set it up and call it something else. Because <laughs> that's always a challenge, man. So that right? Like, next week, we can get Instinct Backstreet Boys. And instead of verses, it, it's like I don't, duels with a Z. Jesus. Instagram duels. Backstreet Boys. And then after that, we're going to get the fucking Spice Girls versus somebody. That should have happened. You set it up before the white people set it up. Because it, it's... And they and they probably have good Wi-Fi. Probably. So you gotta, you can't let them just upstage you with some crazy shit. Yeah, straight Cox Gigablast Wi-Fi. Like yeah, that. like they are all just some just whole next level shit. 
Okay. So, so we, we yeah, that, that, they will be sponsored by Comcast. We've been doing the show for 40 <laughs> minutes, and there are people out there waiting for us to talk about UFC stuff. But <laughs> before we do that, I must bring up this thing that you said that I thought was completely nonsensical, that Kanye West has four classics and two possibles. Correct. You're nuts. For playing spades, it's four and two possibles. There's, dude, you're saying he has four trumps? <laughs> four yeah, trumps, so. great play on words. Look at me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that you just gave yourself the Tommaso Ciampa pattern. Yes, I back. did. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, so college dropout. Yes. Late registration, which, if I had to take one out, would be mine. But a lot of people like late registration as his best album. Mm. So no. college dropout, late registration, graduation, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Four classics done. Two possibles would go with 808s and Heartbreak, which I really like a lot. And Life of Pablo, the Life of Pablo, which I don't consider a classic, but some people that was the chatter around the album when it had come out. So I'm just giving it as a possible. It's not my opinion. Uh I really like 808s. I don't think it's a classic. Uh it was very Kid Cudi influenced. So was Life of Pablo. Life of Pablo was very Chance influenced. So that's kind of him taking other people's swag. Honestly, if that's the criteria, he's done that from Get, right? I don't know. Regardless, I, I think those are fringe. They wouldn't be in my classics, but I give them four. Yeah. Including, we just talked about the three three album runs. Just college dropout, late registration, graduation. That's what I overrun. Yeah. Um, no. I don't... Graduation's not a classic. It's good out. What? It's not a classic. Graduation better than late registration. True. Also not a classic. Late registration... Oh, late registration's too fucking long. It's Agreed. too fucking long. It's too fucking long. It's a good album. Like, it's, it's a really good album. But, dude, for me, classic is a bar that there, there's... Things just can't fall into classic because they're really good. There are a lot of really good albums out there that will never call a classic. They're just there's just a lot of really good four and a half albums. I think Kanye's got two bona fide classics: "In College uh, Dropout" and "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy." I don't think any of those other albums are classic. I don't think "Life of Pablo" absolutely not. That's like a four at best. Like there's. There's, it didn't change the game. Nobody's listening to that shit today. There's no song that everybody's still talking about. Like, you play College Dropout, and you go through College Dropout, that album is goddamn undeniable. Oh, yeah. I can deny um, the life of pop. Graduation is fucking crazy. Nah, Good it's morning, good. champion, stronger, I wonder, good life, can't what tell song me you nothing. Like, Barry Bonds, Drunk and Hot Girls was my shit. But it's Flash a classic lights, song. Like, like Everything I Am. Oh, Homecoming, man. Big Brother. Yes, this is a classic album. That is not a Bitter classic album. Poetry. Can, yep, it's a classic album. There's it's a, it's maybe really one song you would skip on this album. I can name maybe. several. Which ones? I didn't care for Barry Bonds. Uh, Drunk and Hot Girls, not a classic. I skipped that. That was uh, my shit. Yeah, just because it's your shit don't make it a classic. Okay, but that song is dope. But, like, and, like, what else is on that album? Uh, Flashing Lights, Everything I Am. The Glory, Homecoming, Big Brother. Where are you skipping? Yeah, good home, night. Homecoming Maybe. was good. Like the Glory, good. These aren't, they, dude. It, it's not on the same level as college. And I like graduation. Sweet poetry with, like that shit. All right, classic. 
Nate, off the top, name me your five favorite rap albums. Okay. Just uh, Nas Ilmatic, okay. Jay Z, Reasonable Doubt. Uh, I'll go Biggie, Red, Ready to Die, Thirty Six Chambers, and my off the wall one that I really like is H N I C. Hmm, that's an interesting one. All right, so your first four that you mentioned, mm-hmm. those are like undeniable classics. Correct. I you just said my favorites. H-N-I-C may I not be a classic. I just really like it. I know, but this is what I'm getting to. The first mm-hmm. four you mentioned are undeniable classics that most people, especially the critics, would agree with. And then you take Graduation, you put it up against those four albums. Not the same. It could be your favorite. It's tough. I, dude, ready to but die? You're, 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 that's different genres. The music no, is it's, different. It's, no, it doesn't. It's a classic one of is the best classic. albums of its time. No, because you can't say, yo, uh, Sam Tarkington shouldn't be a Hall of Famer because he doesn't have Marino and then now Peyton Manning numbers. The game is different. In his era, he was a Hall of Famer. He was a classic. Yo, there are so many baseball players during the steroid era that put up numbers. Numbers. In their era, they should get in. But they didn't. McGuire like, should be in. guess what? Bond should be in. For instance, here, here's, here's the point I'm about to make. In baseball, Frank Tarkin, those, in the, those steroid numbers blocked Manny Ramirez from ever winning an MVP. Right? It just, he just didn't. He didn't win an MVP. I don't think Jim Tomey won an MVP either. Right? No. But these guys, a lot of these guys that put up these ridiculous seasons, you don't remember them. Or you're like, they had a really good season. Brady Anderson had 51 home runs. It's not a Hall of Famer. No, he's not a Hall of Famer. But if you tell Manny Ramirez isn't a Hall of Famer, Manny Ramirez he might is not a get in. Hall of Famer. But he should, right? Yeah, in his time, he was great. Right, but he was like, a, he was in a juiced era, right? So with graduation, like graduation went up against fifty. What was it? Fifty Cent was that the battle yep. that day? And yeah, I think so. Way better than all. Way better than that album. Yeah, but I don't compare classics to eras. Classics are classics. It doesn't matter when the fuck they came out. If I can it's play one of the top ten albums in that five year period. Maybe top five albums in that five year period. No, no. Two thousand seven. No, no. Uh, do you put is food and liquor a classic? Fuck yeah! I yeah. Food and liquor is better than graduation. Yeah, you tell me. Like I think Lupe might have two. Food and liquor in the cool, like I'm a huge Lupe fan. I'd have to hear other people, but I think food and liquor, food and liquor, and the cool are both classics in my eyes. Like again, I think Kanye West has good, really good albums, really good albums, but not classic. Me personally, like Water for Chocolate is one of my favorite albums of all time. Comments like Water for Chocolate, I can see why people wouldn't call it a classic, and I'd be like, all right, okay. cool. I'm not gonna argue that. But yeah. if, if you that, tell that's me, that's my late registration stance. Yeah, like if. You t- were to tell me that Ready to Die is not a classic, I'd smack the shit out of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... Yes, there's... I hate to be meltering this shit, but there's seven-star, eight-star matches, and there's five-star matches, but the scale is five and above. So five and above is a classic, but yes, some stuff is eight stars Yeah. compared to some stuff being five. So, Graduation's a five-star album. Ready to Die and Illmatic are ten stars. But the scale is anything five and up or classics. Yeah, so, yes. I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a classic. But, no, it's not that level of greatness. 
few things are. But that's the point. But this is my issue. And here, here's why I'm going, because I'm a music critic. This is what I did, have done for 15 years. And I'm a harsh music critic because I feel like once you break your own scale, it goes downhill from there. That's what happened with Meltzer. So if you if you say th- there's this classic and then there's this classic, but it's a classic, but it's not really a classic, dog, then it's not a classic. And most of the time, because in fairness, the way we consume music is different today than we did 20 years ago, it's really hard to determine a classic the day it comes out, the week it comes out. It takes some time for you to sit with that album and determine whether or not it's a classic. Very few albums are instant classics. To be honest, like Mob Deep's second album is a classic, but when it first came out, people were four and a half in the shit out of that. But now you go back and listen to it and you're like, yeah, that's classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So so what happens is so many people were just, just saying, this is classic, this is classic. It waters down the concept. We still we have to set the bar high for what a classic is and identify what's a really good album. Yeah, but you can't set the bar at Illmatic because then it'd be I didn't. three classics I, ever. Like I set the bar at Illmatic, ready to die. Like I, I call food. And Trey, those are almost unattainable levels. No, Yet you not. give Kendrick three classics. I I said this Kendrick. His albums are very good. They are Come not on, that. Man. Good Kid, Mad City is a fucking classic. There's there's like Good Kid, Mad City holds up. Okay, time out. That holds up to the Illmatics, the Reasonable Doubts, all this. One, the other two are really good. Nah. they are not those. Yo, they are not those, Dre. The motherfucker want to pull it. Damn, is not that. The, the motherfucker want a Pulitzer. Congrats. Now, if, Pac should have had two of them shits. Who? Who? So Pac should have had two of them then. But like, what do, you, what do you want for cultural make, impact an and album? saying deep shit? No, no. The point is, when you're impacting the culture is also what happens with a classic album. To Pimp a Butterfly, the reason why it's a classic, because listen, if you want to say damn. I always agreed with that. If you want to say damn is not a classic, I am not going to argue tooth and nail about it. I'm not. But to Pimp a Butterfly is a classic. I've always agreed with the impact, how he dropped it, when he dropped it, the message would be far more iconic than the music on the CD. I said that when it came out. I said it when I said the hot take. Every time I've reiterated it, the impact of that album has, it's had astronomical impact. It might be top five impactful albums. Musically, I don't think it's a classic. If you want to lump all that in though, Sure, but listen. You can say it's not a classic. It's a classic. Okay? I'll give it. I'll give that to you. You want to lump in cultural impact, the the performance. Where was that at the Grammys? Uh, I'm, you I'm, not, I'm lumping the it cover, more, which is fucking iconic. More importantly, but, it sounded like nothing else at the time. That's why yeah, Outcast has yeah. Outcast has classics, because yeah. Outcast was putting out shit that sounded nothing like anybody else had at the time. But being different isn't being classic. No, being good and being different is a classic. Yeah, like but being great and being different is a classic. No, no, no. being good and being different is there's, being there, good. There's nothing good here. This is great. Like you don't like that album. There's people Not that classic. don't like Illmatic. That's cool. If that's what you're gonna yeah, say, that's, cool. that's ridiculous. But that's when you slap somebody. No, but I'm, the same <laughs> thing holds true for the Pimp a Butterfly, man. Culturally, the music holds up. People still go back to the album. It hit people in the gut when it came out. There's still people talking about the album. All right is a fucking anthem. That is a culture-changing classic. Good Kid, Mad City was a documentary that was on the West Coast about a kid growing up. Those are two classics. I feel like... Ki- Fam, no one no one plays institutionalized these walls of you. You might not. Mama, hood politics. Are you no one's nuts? listening to this Are you shit. serious? No one in 2020 is playing that in the whip. Are you serious? No one. 
No, Dre, I promise you. It was great and impactful for 2015. It dropped like a fucking comet. It has no replay value. You're sick you name three songs head. that you can still play. Yes, I will still play King Kunta. I will play All Right. And Black or the Berry. Yo, nobody's it. nobody's playing dri- shit listen, dog. Nobody's me. driving around bu- bumping ready to die like that right now, but it's a fucking classic. That's false. That is a- Yo, for you to say that nobody's no bumping to Pimp Butterfly and then say and then say like people are bumping, look, dude, nobody's really bumping old albums like that. Let's just be honest. There's so much music please out someone, there. Please, someone, if you listen to this show, please, and don't go to Google, don't go to Apple, don't go to Title. You please tell me if you're reciting the verse from Institutionalized. Let me know what the hook sounds like. Let me know what these walls sounds Don't like. Do if y'all that. are playing you're this about all to, the time. You're about to hurt your please. own fucking feelings. You're really please. About, you're, you guys are on Twitter. You're please, fighting the wrong battle. Recite this for me. You're fighting. And we have the a very educated battle. listening base. We do. You, you guys, tell me if you're playing this still, please. Okay. And what happens? I haven't heard home? those songs since episode three of the Corner Podcast. Because you're not listening we're to three, them. We're how, three hundreds deep. No, how but Dre, I'm around you, you all the time. I'm around Big Mac all the time. I'm around people all the time. Who are you I about? don't hear these records. Wait, wait, what am I playing? I don't hear wait, them from wait. anyone, don't, Dre. Don't do that. Because what, what am I playing? You play dope shit. What, what are you listening to when you're around me? Name something because like, you're not listening to anything. To, Let's just be honest. When we're over at the crib, no. we're watching wrestling. We're not really playing fucking yeah, rap. Yeah, we're not. But doing if it. I, if you're around, like you're listening to new shit, you got this. I, I get it. You're one of the people who who goes back and listens to that album. All right, no one else does. Okay, all right, <laughs> put out to listen, dog. Please. It's Please. a classic And then and we put this on Twitter. We put this on Twitter. Who, who has three classics? If you had to choose, Kendrick, Kanye, both or neither. Yeah, whatever. Kanye was the leading category how, at like 37%. And guess what? And both was the runner-up. Guess what? Kanye has way more work than, than Kendrick. Because you're saying three? For most people, Kendrick has how many albums? Three. Four. Oh, yeah, three. For I mean, most people. For Section most people. Mixtape, yeah, for most people, they don't even... They were like Section 80. Popular culture recognizes that Kanye that has... that shit ahead of damn. Listen, Kanye <laughs> has multiple albums and a Correct. longer career. The fact that Kendrick can even be in this competition speaks a lot to what he's accomplished. That's true. I've never taken anything. He is one of the most naturally talented rappers we've ever seen. The man is wildly talented. I love all of his features. I love Section 80. Um, if we're talking about classics, I, I might give you Section 80 before I give you Damn. I mean, you that's know, just that's just I'm, real. Well, I, mean, I'm I really like Section 80 and the story it tells. Just like Good Kid, Mad City, like... To blend an entire album into a story, that's what makes the Lupe, like, the cool, a classic, right? Like, when you can blend an entire album into a perfectly knit story, Section 80 did that so fucking well. It was like reading a novel. Um, so, I mean, I, I probably put that ahead of it. The guy's talented. He doesn't do anything that's whack. So, for arguing his, his validity, I, I haven't heard anything from Kendrick that's ever been whack. Nothing. Now, I can't point to a whack song. All I was saying was replay value and arguing the difference between good, great, and classic. Yeah, and you talked about... His, his saying, floor is good. That's how good he is. His floor is good. I get what good. you're saying. My point is this. I say that Kanye West has two classics. Two really good albums. The other two albums, not in the conversation of classic. Shouldn't be anywhere near it. Period. Shouldn't be anywhere near it. And then Kendrick has two definitive. Mm-hmm. And one possible. 
Well, maybe two possible. If you count, if you oh, count, excuse me. If you count section so Jay, eight. Jay has how many? Who? Jay? Jay? Oh, man. Jay's an interesting case. Reasonable Doubt's a classic. I give Jay three. Blueprint's classic. 444? Black Album, classic. Four, four, is 444 a classic? No. That's really good. I that's agree. Great. I, I agree. I'm not, um, not an argument. His possible for me is American Gangster. People love that album. I'm not even a big fan. So, I'm not even a big fan of that album, but I get it. That's my that's my possible. So you give me Black Album, Blueprint, Reasonable Doubt. That's a possible. Um, what's his face? That was uh, Dynasty. Rock La Familia is a possible. Nah, it's not. Rock Dynasty album is, is not it, a I, possible classic. It's a really good album. It's a really good compilation album. It's not a classic. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's a pop. I don't put it in there, but if people want to give him another, I put it as a possible. I wouldn't. It's not my. It's not on my drum. But forty-four, four or four forty-four, whatever. That's that's the possible. So he got three and three. Yeah, like J- I, I would put American Gangsta in the classic album. See, I put American Gangsta in the graduation category. Really good album. Really good album with great content. Not a classic. I just can't. If I look at the track listings, I hear every beat in my head. I hear every word That's in my cool. head. Really good. Album. I go down. I, I can't find any skips. Sooner or later, it's like, what are we doing here? If he would have released it in '95, would it be a classic? I don't know. It, it wasn't as good as Reasonable Doubt. It wasn't as good as all these other things. When he released it, it was one of the best albums of its time. So I grade this shit like the Hall of Fame. Maybe that's where we differ. Yeah. So in the Hall of Fame, it's when you played as well as how well you played. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. When so you if you put up certain stats in 2001, and they were good enough for the Hall of Fame, but if you put those shit up in 80, and you wouldn't have made the Hall of Fame, then so be it. You didn't play in 80. You played in 2001. And it was a classic then. You were a classic player then, so you're getting in. So does Nelly have a classic? Because he's put up stats. <laughs> no, it's not about stats. <laughs> yeah, but you just, just said quality. you it during an era. I'm just, I, look. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but his quality during the era wasn't great. But during the era, M has classics. How many classics does M have? Uh, one and a possible. One. I give him two. He has one. Marshall Mathers is my classic. Yes. Slim Shady LP to me is a classic, a classic. but that's a possible. Really good album. Not a classic. Okay. That's a possible. The uh, Eminem show is good. It's not even a possible to me. To be clear. So you got one in a possible. To be clear, I don't do possible classics. Either you're a classic or you're, <laughs> or you're not. Either you're, you got to treat everything like space. You either you're I mean, taking the book people. or you're not. If you're not, taking, if you're not guaranteed <laughs> to take a book, it's not a fucking classic. I'm not playing spades with you, man. I feel like you get really mad at me for calling yeah, out. Yeah, because you probably how many books I got. <laughs> yeah, if you get me set, we fight. You real so, upset. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just I'm a very like when it comes to classic albums, and this has nothing to, like my other my issue always with Kanye. The thing that hurts him the most is he's not a good rapper. It's always gonna be the thing that's a thorn in my side with Kanye West. Always, not even because he loves Trump and MAGA and all this other bullshit. He's never been a great rapper. He's been a serviceable rapper. And things like College Dropout, he was really good because it was something that we didn't hear before at the time. Even though Soul Beats have been around forever. But it was he was he was doing something that wasn't being done. And then he had the right guests, the right beats, the right sequencing. But then late registration, I was like, this album's really fucking long. And I like it, <laughs> but it's really long. And then like graduation i was like this is good but he's not really that great of a rapper like his beats carry him 
Like, I think Drake is a perfect example of somebody who, if you like Drake, because a lot of purists be like, fuck Drake, who has really good albums, but I, if you want to argue against Drake not having a classic, I'm not going to argue with you. And I'm a big nothing was the same guy. But if you want to say that album's not a classic, cool. If you say Take Care is not a classic, I'm not arguing with you. I can see why you would say it's not a classic. I get it. Really good album. Really good album. Not a classic. But somebody like me personally, most that's black on both sides, it's a fucking classic. Black Star, yeah. it's a classic album. That's fair. I give Black Star the classic album. Yeah, I mean, this is what started this whole shit in our group chat. Yeah, Black Star's a classic <laughs> album. I mean, the, dude, there's just certain things that are, I think, you, some certain stuff you can't deny, whether it's your flavor or not your flavor. Yeah, it's just it's just undeniable. And I think in this day and age, because I'm watching people run around saying Future got classics. Excuse me. <sighs> Yo, don't Future and Young Thug. They got classics. I, I will never, I will never understand it. But by my argument. If that's if they're the best in their era, then people say they got fucking classics. They got classics. What am I supposed to? Yo, there's dark periods. But in, to me, they don't got classics. There's dark periods in every era where a guy stands out and <laughs> yeah. like is second in the league. And you just sneak in. Like, listen, man. Yeah. Mitch Richmond. I always love to use Mitch Richmond. Mitch Rich, <laughs> Richmond in the Sacramento Kings was like there was I think two consecutive years he was averaging like 28 and 29 a game, and nobody gave a fuck because Michael Jordan was there. And Mitch Richmond wasn't like winning games like that, but he was still putting up stats. I don't care. It's not, like, nobody talks about him in the top 50 players of all time. Nobody. He might be a Hall of Famer, I think. I'm just so. saying, nobody talks about him. Is, is he a classic player? I can live without him. If, if you told me <laughs> no, that yeah, Mitch Richmond wasn't playing, I'd be like, all right, cool. Run TMC was amazing. Tim Hardaway. I was about to say TMC is where I think, but I, Tim Hardaway is yeah, still the better player. It's like, so? Like, it's just, there's a lot of empty stats in music. Just like there are a lot of empty stats in, in sports. Ken Caminiti had an MVP year. Who the fuck is talking about Ken Caminiti in 2020? <laughs> you, that is a deep cut. I, I love it. I'm a baseball I guy. I like Ken Caminiti. Yeah, I'm a baseball guy. Ooh, like, this is what I do. Fire. But I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of hollow points in sports and music where people talk about, oh, he might be having one of the greatest years of all time. No, Steph Curry had one of the greatest MVP seasons of all time. That is yeah. undeniable. Some of these other MVP seasons, like when we talk about Steve Nash, when he beat Kobe that How year. How good was Derrick Rose? I always liked that. Yeah, but it's like. Like, Derrick Rose in that category. Derrick Rose, Steve Nash. But it's like, man. They're, arguably Dirk one year. It's they, like, they're great. But it's like, come on, man. Like, come on. Like, like Nash averaged like 16 and 8 his career. He's not the same point guard, in my opinion, that Jason Kidd was. No. He was great. Kidd was carrying teams to the finals. But the flash, the impact, like, I guess it's it's it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Anyway, we're an hour into the show. Now we need to, need to talk about some right. combat sports. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We're gonna break down all the UFC action that just happened in the past week. You guys stay right there. We'll be right back. All right. We'll jump right back into the show. But first, guys, are you looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they'll work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office to spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. 
Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, everybody, we are back. Time to talk UFC and combat sports after an hour into the podcast. Guess uh, this week we're really feeling the music tip. So uh, UFC had a lot of good fights over the past week. Um, glad to say the majority of people seem to be in there and be safe. And that's, you know, always a great thing. They went, they entertained. Some people got paid and got their money. Thank you to them for putting... You know, their lives, their family's lives, their health, everything on the line to entertain us. So that's first and foremost. Um, we'll go to the Wednesday fights, which was UFC Jax on Twitter, UFC Jacksonville. And main card, one thing I want to touch on, I guess, in this one to start off with is I don't know how good Michael Johnson is. <laughs> He's the hardest fighter to figure out. Because even in this fight this past week, he looked really good in the first round. Mm -hmm. And then Tiago came out him like a spider monkey and tapped him in 25 seconds. Yeah, I, I don't know what Michael Johnson is. He's going to go down as one of the most just frustrating fighters in MMA history. I agree. Like... Michael Johnson put hands on Khabib early. People forgot that. Yep. And then got washed. Michael Johnson put hands on Justin Gaethje. Hurt him. Then he got washed. Michael Johnson's career is just utterly ridiculous because he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he looked like he was one of those guys like, oh, man, you, he gets on a nice little run. He could be a title contender. Then you look at his record. This is hilarious because... He is before Justin Gaethje. He was the last person to be Khabib. I mean Tony Ferguson. Yep. Let's go over his record real quick. This this is this is great. So he beats Tony Ferguson. He beats Danny Castillo. He loses to Miles Jury. He loses to Razor Madati. He beats Joe Lozon. He beats Gleason Tebow. He beats Melvin Glar. He beats Edson Barbosa. Loses. What a good run. Loses to Benil Darius. Loses to Nate Diaz. He knocks out Dustin Poirier. Which got him the fight with Khabib. Loses to Khabib. Losing to Justin Gaethje. Losing to Darren Elkins. Beats Andre Feely. Beats Artem Lobov. Loses to Josh Emmett, Stevie Ray, and Tiaga Moises. What the fuck is this record? <laughs> but the wins against some quality guys is keeping him employed. He, is, he beat Dustin Poirier. He beat Edson Barbosa. He beat Tony Ferguson. And he loses to Stevie Ray and Josh Emmett. He got knocked he out by Justin. He lost to the damage. He lost to Darren Elkins. He, man, he put hands on Justin Gaethje. I look at this man's record, and I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> Yo, it's the ultimate Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I, and it's not like you can point to, yo, he gets out of shape for this fight, or he doesn't do this in this fight, or like a concentration for a while. There's no rhyme or reason to why he wins and why he loses. It just, it's its pure a flip of the coin. So, I say all that to say this, never bet on Michael Johnson fight, ever. No. 
He looked good in Stay the first away. round. He, he just got mopped up. I mean, they didn't get mopped up. He got rolled up real quick to a heel hook. <laughs> Super quick. Oh. Um, and then this began what was like the the triumph of the old men. <laughs> so Andre Olavsky, ah, cheers. Mm-hmm. Another claw. I text the wife to bring me another one. Andre Olavsky goes the distance and wins in I thought was probably the most boring performance of the night, maybe. I don't like heavyweights going the distance. Nobody does. So maybe it's just... Heavyweights me. don't like heavyweights going the distance. No. Uh, next fight after that was Ricky Simon oh, wait, versus Ray Borg. Real quick. On the Felipe lenz Andre Arlovsky fight. Arlovsky wins. Uh, his payday was like $310,000. He was one, or two eighty. He's one of the higher paid players on this card. Felipe yeah, Lenz longevity. won the PFL and won a million dollars. Got paid eighty grand for this fight. MMA pay scale. 80 grand is not bad. But I'm just saying, the MMA pay scale is fucked up. Fucked up. Like, I just made a million dollars on fighting for 80 grand during fucking pandemic. It's crazy. Craziest thing is, is everyone ranked above Arlovsky that saw him beat Linz is like, yo, why aren't I fighting over there? Because <laughs> we all should be getting a million dollars. Yeah. It, it's If this is the best they had for a milli. It's going to take me three years to get a million here. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, continue. So, that was wild. Um, we had Drew Dober winning versus Alexander Hernandez. Which, I think that was the bloody fight, right? Um. Well, the Elkins fight was really bloody last night. But this, Elkins fan. This fight, really Drew bloody. Dober was... Uh, Drew Dober trains with Justin Gaethje. Dober's a guy that a lot of people looked at and was like, oh, maybe he can make some noise. He's not ranked in the lightweight division. Alexander Hernandez was a guy who looked like he was on the run, and then he got stopped by Donald Cerrone. So this was one of those fights with two fighters that could be going the other way. And then Dober just went in there and just put hands on Hernandez in the second round and finished them. Dober's now a player yeah. lightweight. And good fight. It was a good fight. It was entertaining. I mean, Dober's a guy, again, he's one of those guys you look at when you watch him fight, and you're just like, ah. He's one of those guys, I don't want to call him a Robbie Lawler type, but he has hands like that and pretty good takedown defense. He can go on a nice little run and make some noise. Don't know if he'll ever win a title, but he's one of those guys. Yeah, it's one of those, don't let the record fool you. Yeah. He might just be hitting his stride a little later and a ton of experience. Whenever you get 31 fights, something's going to click against a guy who came into this who had, what, 13 fights. Yeah. So it's a world of a difference. And then in the co-main, Ben Rothwell versus Ovin St. Prue. St. Prue moved up to heavyweight for some reason and looked so sluggish. No explosion, no nothing. I, I don't know why he moved up. I don't know why he looked so heavy and just whack on his feet. And then, to me, I didn't think he did anything to deserve the decision. I saw some people say it was close. I didn't even think it was close. It was. I think it was close because he hurt Rothwell in the second, and he clearly won the third. It was just ugly. It was, ugly, it was yeah. an ugly brand of fight. It was an ugly fight. OSP would, had been campaigning at light heavyweight, but he's been cutting weight hard for a long time. And when it's during a pandemic, he was like, fuck this, I'm not cutting weight, I'm going to fight a heavyweight. Why not? Heavyweight's a division that you look at and you're like, eh, if I won two or three fights, I'm going to get a title shot. It's not like light heavyweight where everybody's been beat by John Jones. So I get why he did it. It just, yeah, this fight wasn't, it wasn't great to watch. Yeah, it wasn't. And then we get into the main event... And that was the opposite. It wasn't great. Um, it was a battle. And then you look, and 
between Rothwell, Orlovsky, and then here Glover Teixeira, old man strength is real. Yeah. Um, first and, and foremost, before you start to bring down this fight, Dominic Cruz watched this fight had to be cursing out his TV. There's just oh all weekend, all weekend he was just throwing jabs on Twitter. Great job, ref. Man, this ref is doing a great job letting him battle. Goodness. <laughs> I was dying. Ridiculous. All right. I'm sorry. I had to point that out. Anthony Smith had all the chances in this fight. And just, he didn't look the same going into this one. Or maybe Glover's just still that good. Because Glover, I mean, what? Lost to John Jones. Lost, um, pull up his record now. It's just... Him, Anthony Smith, he beat him, beat Krylov, uh, beat Robertson. He hasn't lost since when? 2018, Corey Anderson. That's the... By decision. That's the fight that messed him up. Uh, the Glover Teixeira thing, because if anybody remembers, before he fought John Jones, Teixeira had won like 22 fights in a row, something crazy like that, 20 fights in a row. He had like the longest active winning streak. In, I want to say it might have been MMA at the time. Then he lost to John. Like, if you look at his losses, aside from Corey Anderson, he lost to Phil Davis, Rumble Johnson, and Alexander Gustafson. It's pretty fucking good. Yeah. But I think a lot of people... Oh, yeah, that's really good. A lot of people looked at the Krylov fight, which was a split decision, and some people thought he lost and looked gassed and looked old, and they wrote him off. I thought Anthony Smith was going to beat him. But then Glover, I don't... I mean, strategy-wise, brilliant. Just let Anthony just throw everything he had, and then he just... All right, cool. That's all you got? And beat the brakes off of him. I, oh, yeah. Dude, there are some fights where I watch him and I go, ah, oh, he's still got a fighting chance. At the end of round three, I was like, nah, this shit is over. And this thing went it's five over. rounds. Like, almost, it almost went the distance. There's, it shouldn't have gone past four. Let, let's talk, whose fault is this? Is it the referee's fault? No. <laughs> the, the ref gave the fighter a chance and the fighter to to his credit Anthony in, in each round found a way to cover up just enough right like it, he did enough to grab a foot or cover his head or try to stand up Anthony was battling so I understood that logic his corner as soon as he comes to them and says I am losing teeth not veneers. They're like, yo, he got veneers. They pop out sometimes in training. No, he was losing actual teeth. Once he says that, fight's done. I, no. There is, and they acted like they didn't even hear it. And Chael Sonnen said one of the best things I heard about this. It's like a corner's job isn't to stop the fight when their fighter can no longer physically compete. Their job is to stop the fight when their fighter no longer has a chance to win. Yeah. And in the third round, midway through the third round, you could see he no longer had a chance to win. Yeah. So by the fourth, at least entering the fifth, he was not going to land some crazy last second Derek Lewis, throw that shit from the hip, earn a knockout, or like we saw Rosenstruck versus, um, versus who the hell is he? Overeem, where he lands it with six seconds left. Splits Overeem's lip and gets the victory after being skunked earlier in the fight. You weren't going to get that. He didn't have that in the tank. Save him. And I don't think his corner did that. But then again, the week before, I 
I championed Justin Gaethje for saying, yo, I told my corner before this fight, don't stop it. I'm willing to die in there. So, the fuck do I know? But if I'm the corner, my job is to not let you die in there. You're just going to have to be mad at me. I'd rather you be mad at me than your wife be mad at me. That's always my mindset. So I'm going to stop this. Yeah, yeah. So that, my take is kind of similar because it was absolutely the corner's fault. Because this was a complete disregard of reading the room and knowing your fighter. Because you think you know Anthony Smith. Like, you've worked with him for a long time. But you do also know when you're, like, when you're asking him questions and his response is like, yeah, I'm losing teeth. Like, he's not even fired up. He's getting mopped in there. Like he, it's not like, it's not like the Rosenstruck fight where Overeem was winning a kickboxing match, and you're like, well, shit, one punch can change the fight. Anthony Smith, he was exhausted more than anything else. There was nothing on those punches, nothing. So I can under, I can even understand to a degree him coming out for the fourth round, and them not stopping in the fourth round. But as soon as you went to the corner at the end of the fourth round, you waved the white flag because. Fuck that. You're not going to win the fight. But your man is now, he's not taking, I mean, this is almost Tony Ferguson-like to a degree. Thank God for Herb Dean because they weren't going to stop the Ferguson fight either. Ferguson, you could argue, is getting beat up almost worse than Anthony Smith was. Almost. The man didn't lose his whole grill, but yeah. I'm saying. Damn near the same. I'm saying. So, mercifully, Herb Dean stopped that fight. This fight was not getting stopped. And at a certain point, as the corner... If the referee's not going to do your job for you of saving your fighter, that's your job. Save that man. He'll fight again. But if he suffers any permanent damage, that's your fault. Yep. That I, I was disgusted when I saw him come out for the fifth round. Because he looked It's not terrible. a title fight. It's not like, just throw it in. If this was the ass whooping he caught against John, and you had to leave him out there, maybe. This isn't a title fight. You, you cut your losses and say, yo, we're just going to go at it again. Yeah. He'd still be a top five, top six guy. Like, save your fighter. That was, this, that was sad. Yeah, that was not good. Um, and then we go to Saturday's card. And main the main card there, UFC Florida, was a hashtag. It starts off with the funniest part of the night, which I love Twitter because of this. Because Song Yadong. Yo, the Yadong jokes? They wouldn't stop. <laughs> on point. <laughs> Had me in tears. So I was like, yo, he's really beating Yadong. I was dying. Uh, so, yes, immature humor still cracks me up. Maybe talk to me tomorrow when I'm 32. It might not. At 31, shit had me dying. But uh, he eats out a victory over Marlon Vera. I don't know. I thought Vera won that fight, but whatever. Yeah. I, you know, you I don't have much to argue Splitting about. hairs. Yeah. No, like the... People were complaining about the scorecards and the refs. Or, excuse me, the judges. And it did seem like they went against popular opinion a lot. But when fights are that close, I'm like, all right, whatever. There's no Adelaide Birds. No. Um, next fight... This was just a decision fest. Yeah, it was. Eric Anders loses um, to Joku. I don't know. I expected that. I thought I don't know how good Anders is either. Yeah, I mean he's kind of you know showing he's not really that good. Uh, solid, good middleweight, but good record. Yeah, yeah but no, good power. But yeah, Jocko's on a nice little run. Whatever. Uh, yeah, Jocko's just better. Yeah, I mean I feel like he's a fringe top fifteen guy. So we'll see what happens. Um, 
Next fight, Barbosa loses to Dan Edge. Uh, I thought Barbosa might have had that one. Uh, it was close. It was close. It was really close. It was close. Two things happened in that fight that messed Barbosa up. Like, Ige started off, I mean, it took Barbosa around to, I guess, figure out where he was as a featherweight because it was his featherweight debut. Um, he was clearly, now he, he was recognized like, yo, I'm, I'm not faster than all these guys. And the problem with Ige is he's a guy who just doesn't stop coming for you. And and that was the problem with Barbosa because he got, like, Barbosa hurt him with a body kick at the end of the second. Dropped him. Yeah, he dropped him. So he won the second round. But the third round, I think it was in the last minute, Ike got the better of him. And with judges, it's really hard, man, because, like, well, if it's a close round, it's like, well, who won the last thing that I saw? And it was Ike. So uh, we'll see how long Barbosa stays at featherweight. He looked shredded at 45. Oh, yeah. I think he's still a player at 45. I just think Ige's kind of – I don't know how to say he's the – Where does he train? Oh, shit, he's, I forgot where Barbosa He was in someone's camp. Um – yeah, they were really championing his camp, which is cool. I, I just think if you look at total strikes, Barbosa had the uh, leg up, significant oh, strikes. American top team. Okay, ETT. Um, significant strikes, 79 to 80, but Barbosa landed 55 compared to Dan's 48. Dan had the one takedown, but Barbosa dropped him once. I, I just think Barbosa, all the stat categories measure up to say he won. So. I don't know. That was that was tough. And then the co-main I, I thought was even tougher. Yeah. Because Claudia versus Angela. Claudia clearly wins the first round. Um, gets Angela to the ground. And after that second round, Angela's like, yo, I'm not playing with her. I'm staying at a distance. And her jab, and I understand, it, it doesn't come with a lot of power. It's just stinging, barely snapping the face back of Claudia. But you can see the damage accumulating on Claudia's face as the fight went on. Angie was landing at will with that jab. And to me, I thought she won the second and third round clean. I mean, total strikes, 93 to 92, that's cool. But 52% to 42, and Claudia landed most of hers in the first. I think the first she outlanded Angie by 25 punches or strikes and then lost the other two rounds in total strikes. Um, significant strikes. People talking about Claudia landed the bigger shots. Significant strikes. Angie had 90. So it, it's not like she was getting you know BS strikes. And she also knocked down Claudia at one point. I, I don't know how Angie didn't win this fight. Um, It's another fight where I wouldn't call it a robbery, but I thought Angie won. I, I thought Angie won. I mean, dude, she's been on this incredible one. Seven fights in 421 days. Um, she had won three in a row, I believe, heading into this fight. Yeah, this was her chance to break into the top five. Yeah. It was taken from her, though. My thing with Angie is I think she'll be fine. I think oh, yeah. I think losing this fight, I think Dana knows. I think everybody that watched this fight knows, like, this girl comes to fight. And she'll get another great fight. Like, I do the rankings. I put her in. She wasn't ranked. She's ranked for me. Because this was a great performance against a formal title contender. Um, and that could have won you. I put her in the top ten, even with the loss. I don't care. Um, I if I was a ranking person, I would, because that division, it's not like there's a bunch of world beaters. Like I think she put up a good enough performance off a three fight winning streak to be in the top ten of that division. I, Maybe ten. I wouldn't put her in the top ten. I put her just outside of that because she needs to win. I mean, she needed to win this fight first of all, but second of all, she needs to beat somebody else that's in the top fifteen. 
So I put her just outside the top 15. I think she's a win away. The thing about Angela Hill is I love her as a person. I think she's a great personality. And I think she's a good fighter. But in order to get ahead in this dis- division, she's going to have to work on her ground game. Because fighting somebody like a Tatiana Suarez, shit ain't going to work if you don't have enough power. It's going to drill you. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. You know, but yeah. she, but duh, the, the bottom line is she showed marked improvement, and she put everybody on notice. Like, yo, I'm not fucking around. Like, you're not like she left, went to Invicta, came back. Uh, you know, she lost a couple fights, but I think she went four and two. Well, now she's four and three in the last seven. But yo, she's a player. She's a player. Yeah, it steps in on short notice all yeah, the time. Yeah, she's a player. Like you gives everyone a battle. You got to let her, let that girl fight. Give her more opportunities. So I think. She didn't lose much losing this fight. I think Dana recognizes that, yo, other than having her on short notice, put her in a full camp, she's going to give us a fight. And people love her, and, you know, people want to see her fight. So that's it. She's, she's the loser who lost the lease on this card. Agreed. Agreed. And then uh, main event, I mean, hard to watch, heartbreaker, Walt Harris versus Alistair Overeem. You look, Overeem gets rocked early. But Walt Harris kind of tries to come in and do a straight, like, kick up the middle that misses to the right, gets tripped up, over him, gets top control, and the fight just got away from Harris there. He was never able to recover, made it to the second round, got stopped in the second round. He never caught his breath from that. I think if he just keeps swinging at over him, he probably knocks him down again and wins this fight. But, you know, he threw the kick, and that's, that's how the game goes. So, you know, emotional due to the big ticket coming back after, uh, you know, the loss of his daughter, which is just heartbreaking. We've had Walt on the podcast before. Like, he showed up at the fight shop, recorded live with us. You know, I think it was his second UFC fight. So, man, he's a great guy. And it was just, you know, hard to watch him lose, but it was great to see him compete. Yeah. And, you know, try to regain that little bit of normalcy in his life and show that, you know, he's keeping his daughter in his heart and moving forward to honor her and showing that he's a true warrior. So it was a good fight on Overeem's end. The chin is still a little shaky, but he has improved greatly since going to Colorado. And Overeem has, like, he's on his fourth fourth wind. Yeah. He just goes on these spurts where he just gets really good again until he gets his face knocked off. I mean, Overeem's always going to have a relatively suspect chin. Um, I don't envy the task of having to fight somebody like Walt Harris. That's got to be impossible to get up for. Because, like, I don't want to knock this guy out. It's not even even like playing basketball or football where you're just playing a team game. You're playing a guy trying to hurt him, knowing that he's fighting with all of his emotions on his sleeves at this point. Like, he's fighting for something bigger than just trying to win a fight. Like, you're, you're going out there just to win a fight and get a paycheck. And maybe get a title shot. He's fighting for like a community and his family and his lost stepdaughter. I don't envy that position at all. So I give Overeem a lot of credit for weathering the storm because, like, yo, he could have tucked it in, man. He got hurt. He got, I mean, he's yeah. got his face split. He could have flashbacks of the Rosenstruck knockout and just, just said, fuck it and just ate it and be like, cool. He deserves a win. But no, he sucked it up. And yeah, Walt got a little overzealous and, you know, tripped himself up. Overeem took his back. Uh, laid him out, ground and pound at the end of the first, opened the second with a beautiful head kick straight right combo, which was pretty much the end because Walt just doesn't really have a ground game. Like we saw that when he fought Verdum on short notice, Verdum just swallowed him up and submitted him. So Walt needs to work on his ground game. But 
All that matters is we got to see Walt fight. I still think he beats a lot of guys in the heavyweight division. I think he's a top 10 guy. I think he's ranked 9. Uh, he'll get another fight, and he'll knock somebody else out. I'm kind of interested in seeing him fight Derek Lewis. God, just th- think those two guys could just throw down. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's heavyweight division. Uh, so, ultimately, it's a good week of fights. There's something I want to touch on before we get out of here, but I want to wait. I want to hold that for a second. What did you think about all this? And then Dana White, <laughs> you know, he was like bragging, like, yo, nobody's got coronavirus. Dog, you just took the test. Give it a second. Like, come back yeah. clean in two weeks, then we can talk. But it was good to see the UFC back. For guys who covered combat sports, gave us a welcome distraction. Um, I still wouldn't went out there. Nothing changed. Like, I saw some people that we know that were out there, and I was like, mm, nope, not me. Uh, no, not for me, but big ups to them. Again, if they want to do it, I'm not going to tell them not to do it. Because sooner or later, we all have to get back to work, yeah. right? Whenever we decide to go and cover a fight again, it's probably still in our mind because of our families, because of our children, because of people in our household. It's going to be too soon and we're going to be worried. So they took the step before we did. But when it's our time to go back out there, I don't care if it's August, I don't care if it's October, I don't care if it's 2021, we're still going to be worried for the safety of our family. Yeah. So they just took this, the chance now. Like, all right, I wouldn't do it, but that's fine. You got to take a chance sometime. They, you know, some people were like single doing it or whatever it may be. Or, you know, maybe they just deemed, okay, you know what? It's worth the risk. Then cool. Maybe they wanted to be there for, for better or worse, something that's going to go down in history. We may never see empty arena fights ever again at this level. Like, we just won't so um i I don't know i they wanted to be there to document history yeah and and this should happen sometimes so kudos i just i'm not there yeah so i mean good for them uh i thought it was a good week of combat sports it was good to have three fights i felt weird i was like covering fights i was like this is crazy i haven't done this shit in almost two months (laughs) that's knocked the rust off yeah i was like yo i'm covering fights this is crazy um so yeah i still there's still a little like social distancing things like interviewing in the cage it's like whatever but the thing I want to talk about before we go here is John Jones challenging Francis Ngannou to a heavyweight fight I want to see this very badly <laughs> um, I don't it's been a long time since I've seen John Jones wrestle someone. And to me, against Ngannou, you, you really got to break out that wrestling. Close the distance before he has that range to strike with you. Tire him out. The exact game plan given, you know, by the champ now and when Francis had his shot. I think Francis is better since then. I think he's just been running through top contenders like crazy. It's... Just unbelievable. I, I think he's the scariest man in a heavyweight division. I, I'm not sure why John wants would want to fight him if a belt wasn't there. To be honest, like wait until the guy wins the belt, then fight him. I, I don't see a win fighting him before then. I dark. When he was talking, like people were like, "No, wait for the title." Look, look, I agree, but I'm at a point in John Jones' career now where he's talking a lot of shit, a lot of shit, and it's for me talking shit. If you want to talk, like, here's what GSP never did, for better or worse. 
GSP never really talked shit. He had that amazing streak at welterweight, beat everybody. He never, like, people wanted him to fight Anderson Silva. You never heard GSP go on, like, social media, like, Anderson, I'll fuck you up. He never did that. So it never left the door open. Like, we fantasized about it. But we were just like, yeah, they don't really want to do that fight. Like, the UFC would have to push to make that fight happen. John Jones is barking up the Francis Ngannou tree and calling himself, like, the GOAT and all this other shit. Even though when you interview John, he fakes that old humility shit. Oh, that's up to me to decide I'm the GOAT. That's up to you guys. Fuck you, John. Your fake humbleness is ridiculous. But at this point, because the thing is, is we most, just about everybody agrees, like, you're the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. But if you want to challenge Francis Ngannou to basically shit or get off the pot on this greatness thing and this heavyweight talk, do it. Mm. Do it. If you, Like, fuck the belt. Just do it. Because you're fighting the scariest man in the heavyweight division as a light heavyweight. And you're looking for that fight. And if, if hey, I, if that's what's going to happen... Let's do it because I want to know how good John Jones really is. Because if he beats Francis Ngannou, I don't give a fuck what he does. He can go back down to light heavyweight. It validates his shit talking. But if he gets mopped, I'm in the crowd clapping. You deserved it because you talk too much shit. <laughs> so I just I want to see this fight for that reason. Like there are people like wait for this, wait for, fuck all that. If you're gonna call the man out. And we're waiting because we don't know that Stipe's still, like, working with the... F- I mean, the man still has a job. So we don't know when is going to fight. We don't know what Dana's decision is going to be on the heavyweight belt. I'd say he could strip Stipe. He could. But we don't know if he is or not. And, and I mean, it looks bad, but sooner or later, you can only hold up a division for so long, right? Like, it's been, like, a year and a half. Either way. Come on. Either way. If they do an interim title... Well, not an interim title. If they do a title... Well, it would be an interim. That's what would happen. It would be an interim title fight between Cormier and Stipe. The problem is... Cormier wouldn't want to do that. Even though he says he does. It'd be Cormier versus... Uh, yeah, Gano. my bad. Yeah. Cormier versus Ngana. The problem is, I don't think Cormier wants to do that. I think Cormier wants his last fight to be for the title, and then he rides off in the sunset. So I think yep. as much goodwill that Cormier has with the UFC, if he really wants to get that win back against Stipe, I think Dana will allow it to happen. So that means Ngannou... I think he can strip Stipe. No interim. Strip but Stipe. What I'm saying is, I think Cormier, it's not the belt. He wants that win back against Stipe. That's what he wants. He doesn't really want to fight Ngannou. He's not going to tell anybody that. But no. he doesn't really... But no one really yeah. wants to fight that But John guy. Jones does. So if there's going to be no title fight in the very near future to clear this shit up, let those two fight. Ngannou ain't got shit else to do. Like, And honestly, if Ngannou beats John Jones, it's huge. It's just I don't know how the risk is worth the reward in that case. Ask John. That ain't up to don't. anybody else to decide but John fucking Jones. It's true. It just it's it's tough. A win is huge. A loss could leave your face in the front row. So if he wants to let him have it, that's just that's just tough. how I feel. You want it, you got it, my man. That's what you th- I'll tell you one thing. You're excited about it. If you thought Adesanya's last fight was boring, wait until you see this shit. Because John's not engaging at all. Yeah, but can John take down and got him? No, he just dance. He'll dance and jab and stay the fuck away. And leg kick, kick to the knee, stay away for five rounds and not get caught. I want to see it. I don't care. I want to see it. John, I didn't think I wanted to see it until John started talking shit. And I was like, I want to see this now. Yeah, it's like that Santos fight. You just be doing a lot of dance. That's fine. I just want to see it. Because no matter what happens, nobody wants fighting God. 
And you got the guy who is a lot of people believe is the greatest mixed martial artist of all time, who's a walking living legend with a bunch of fucking cocaine and hose issues. He wants to fight him. Let him have it. Because if he if he gets his shit rocked, I'm laughing. If he wins, I go, oh, he's the best. Like I mean, shit. Nothing else we can say. But dude. I mean, it, what else is John? Without fighting him, you got to go. Hmm, he's yeah, the but, best. So I don't know what the reward but is. My thing, like the last thing is with John. Is this really nothing else for him to do right now? No, John would do it for an interim belt, because an interim belt still is a belt for John's legs. Cool, doesn't matter. Just DC wouldn't do it for an interim. John would. I, I don't care what it's for. Just do it, because John. Yeah. I mean, I, nobody wants to see John Jones versus Young Blackwitch. Nobody wants to see that shit. No. John versus Francis Ngannou, like ESPN, y'all would play that shit. They'll fuck up. Turn that up. Oh, it'd be big numbers. Turn it up. Again, this last pay per view did crazy numbers. You put that on if it's any type of quarantine still going on before NFL returns, before MLB returns, it's doing stupid numbers. Yeah. So yeah, I'm here, dog. I'm here for it. I'm not a guy right now sitting there going, "I need something on the line." I don't care. Give me the fight. That's it. I feel you. It's not a bad fight. I just. It's a lot of risk for John yeah. Jones. Um, now our next fight, or excuse me, our next fight, our next show, we're diving into a little bit of boxing with the Tyson talk. We didn't have time to talk about it today. And breaking down a ton in pro wrestling because NXT is making moves, building for their next takeover that was just announced. WWE is making some changes, uh, I guess, to accommodate these live shows and people being there and not being there. And then also AEW is gearing up for double or nothing. Which, sadly, we're supposed to be at. Yeah. Um, but we'll be watching it from home, so we'll break down that entire card. So a packed show later in week of pro wrestling and boxing. Thank you guys for listening today. Another good show, another long one. A lot of music talk, so it was fun. Make sure you guys follow us at Corner Podcast underscore on social media. Me, at Kel Dansby, him, at Andreas Hale. Until next week, we're out. Peace.